What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. This episode of Writing Excuses has been brought to you by our listeners, patrons, and friends. If you would like to learn how to support this podcast, visit www.patreon.com slash writing excuses. Season 12, Episode 11. This is Writing Excuses Diction. 15 minutes long. Because you're in a hurry. And we're not that smart. I'm Brandon. I'm Mary. I'm Marianne. And I'm Wesley. And we're going to talk about word choice, which, unless I'm wrong, I don't think we've ever done a podcast across 12 seasons (laughs) on picking the specific word that you want to use. Um, I thought it was about time. So let's talk about diction. How do you pick the right word? So we've touched on this in varying ways when we've been talking about uh, coming up with a, a first-person narrator or a third-person narrator, that that there is a, a context to every word that you choose, that there's an attitude towards it. So one of the things that, that I try to find when I'm and this is most of the time, like, word choice just kind of happens as you're writing, but then you've got a sentence that's just clunky. Yeah. And you come back to it and 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 I'll say that most of the time you shouldn't actually think about diction too much, too hard while you're writing because it can stop you. But when yeah, this is a revision thing mostly for me. Yeah. Um, but what I'll do is I will uh, I will look at what I want that's what that sentence actually means. Every sentence is in a, a novel for two reasons. 
in dialogue, there's the reason that the character has for saying that thing, the, the thing that they are trying to do. And then for the author, there is the plot reason that that sentence is there. So what you're looking at is the area of intention for those two things. Like, for instance, what did you say? That could mean I can't hear you. That could mean you didn't just say that thing to me. That could mean I am really surprised. It could mean a lot of different things. So what is it that that sentence means? And then I look at ways that I can make it more specific. Yeah, specificity is a big part of this. I remember when I was editing, I was working on Wheel of Time, and I said, you know, it was a wooden table. And Harriet, my editor, said, mention the type of wood because it takes no more words but gives a more powerful image. And when you can use one word that does those things, gives a more powerful image without expanding your story, it's often a good choice. I kind of want to push back against that, Mm -hmm. though, because I think writers can get a little precious about it. I mean, I I would agree generally that it's good to to look at those words and consider them. But I think sometimes there's a value in just saying this this comes up with skin color all the time and it makes me nuts, right? Where people are like, oh, I want to I'm going to describe her skin as coffee colored or chestnut colored or whatever. And like I'm like, just say brown, just say brown and move on because you're just getting yourself into trouble with the food metaphors, first of all. And <laughs> the brownness, like the exact shade of brownness of her skin is probably not that important. Um, and so I don't know. And I think about I look at stylus and the way that I'm not a heavily stylistic writer, but if mm-hmm. I read somebody like Gertrude Stein, right, a rose is a rose is a rose, there is a power to the repetition of simple words, I think. And so it, I just, there's, I guess I would say there's a whole big toolbox for us to use. One of them is reaching for the specific, but another might be the simple. And, and like, also, um, one thing to note is that words have very specific meaning, and sometimes we interchange words without really thinking about it. For example, a port and a harbor have very specific, they're d- different things, you know. Har- harbor harbors where you kind of store boats, and a port is kind of where you, you know, offload cargo. Or like a cave and a cavern are actually different things. Mm-hmm. So what I've been doing a lot more recently is I look at the words that I take for granted, you know, that I just use in everyday language, and suddenly— they they don't mean exactly what you think they mean. So when you start going over your sentences and your words, you have to be a lot more specific on what each word means for that sentence. Yeah, I keep a list of those kind of the big one that I translucent and t- transparent. If you came to me and said, "What is the difference?" I like when someone said that to me, I'm like, "Oh yeah, okay." One you can see entirely all the way through, and one only lets some light through. Mm-hmm. But I was using those words interchangeably and have for a decade of my writing. Uh, uh, well, like, um, uh, th- I got crushed. This what, what, there are f- there's a few things that you have to get right when it comes to writing fiction. Is got to get your guns right, mm-hmm. and get, get your horses right, and get, get your terminology right. So you know, a magazine is not a clip. You know, and the parts of a gun are important. So when you write certain things. Make sure you know exactly what that word, that's the right word for that sentence. No, gun and clip, if there's a, I agree. They, but sometimes you have a character who doesn't know guns. Yeah. And they call, you know, a magazine a clip or something like that. And the gun nuts go crazy, but you're like, this person doesn't know. So as long as you're doing it consciously, you got to be in control of these things. Yeah, I, I find that I'll I'll do things like um, have my character say, and then they, they, they put the thingy in the, (laughs) <laughs> and I've actually, I've actually just like 
left that in. I had put it in as a placeholder and I went back. I'm like, oh, yeah, she doesn't know either. <laughs> left it in. So, and then I think that's what, what Marianne is talking about a little bit when, when you don't have to reach for the really specific word, but you want to what we're always talking about here is reaching for the right word. Is is this a moment that you want to go for simplicity or is this a moment where your character or the the moment requires something that is more specific? And and trying to figure out how to make that choice. That's one of the things that is so difficult. So I think one of the the things that you're looking at when you're trying to make that choice, it's like, do I want something simple? Do I want something more specific? is, again, going back to the attitude of the character, what is important to the character in this moment. If if you're getting it like a rose is a rose is a rose, that is all about that, that area of intention is about the essence of a rose, that it doesn't matter what you call it. A rose is a rose is a rose is a rose. And that's a place where going for the simple, the essence, is going to be more powerful Whereas if you are t- having a character who is thinking about all the j- different varieties of uh, uh, of roses, then they might be more like a cabbage rose is a rose and a English rose is a rose. They might list all of those. Uh, so it, that's that's for me is thinking about the area of intention. And I think writers can get led astray by their experts, right? So. Um, so military stuff is, I think, one big area of this. Another, for me, I had a medical protagonist for my recent thing. And, you know, I had a scene where someone had gotten a, um abdominal wound. They were trying to f- deal with it in the middle of a triage, you know, bomb situation. And so I'd written, I'd written a couple sentences describing what this young doctor was doing. I sent it to some doctor friends and I said, can you just check this and let me know how did I do? And they <laughs> wrote back and like one of them had written me three paragraphs of information on abdominal wounds, but then had sent it to a surgeon friend of his. Um, and the surgeon friend wrote me back three pages with pictures um, <laughs> With you know, so I I learned a lot about abdominal wounds, but I ended up looking at my scene and I was like, oh yeah, I should change this one line to be you know like oh, she's going to need light or she wouldn't be able to do that. That's important. Okay, most of what they gave me did not and should not have been in the scene. Yeah, this is dangerous for new writers to think about too much sometimes because of that sort of thing, but also because this is where purple prose comes from, right? Mm-hmm. They think I can't use the word rose. I have to describe this rose, and it has to be, you know, a velvet rose with one drop of water glistening as it as it rolls down. It, and suddenly you've got purple prose. Right. Like when, when Shakespeare talks about damasked roses, he gives you that specific of damask because he's trying to say something about having both red and white. Like there's a reason why that modifier is in there. It matters. It's not just a, a random addition. Mm-hmm. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? 
Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com try. Go to shopify.com try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Let's go ahead and stop for our book of the week. Uh, Wesley, you're going to tell us about Sins of an Empire. So I am really excited for this book. Uh, Brian McClellan has a wonderful series called, the, I think, the Powder Mage yep. series and um, started The Promise of Blood. And um, I'm, it's based in the second, it's a secondary world fantasy where uh, there's flintlock, flintlock magic. Mm-hmm. And it's one of the more original kind of second world fantasies I've, I've read in a long, long time. And now he's ha- he has a new series out, starting with Sins of Empire. Uh, the series is called Gods of Blood and Powder. And it's coming out March 7th. And I don't know too much about it, but I'm really looking forward to reading it. So Brian uh, is one of my former students. And um, so I'm very partial to Brian. <laughs> and I can highly recommend the Powder Mage books as well. They are fantastic. They're fantastic. Mm-hmm. What was the first book again? Promise of Blood. Yep. Thanks. All right, so are certain words more lyrical for you than other ones? Do you ever make the choice based on what's more lyrical or what's easier to say out loud? Yes. Illuminate. <clears throat> I like illuminate. <laughs> yeah. Uh, phantasmagoria. I love mm-hmm. the way that goes. But this gets back to, to something with Marianne was talking about with the, um, with the damask rose that that Shakespeare, uh, because he was often writing an iambic pentameter, that one of the things that he was thinking about is where the emphasis on the mm. word was. And sometimes this this subtle thing is actually what is causing a sentence to go off. And you can't even figure out why it's awkward. But a lot of times it's because the emphasis is in the wrong place. Let me give an example, which is my entire name. Technically speaking... The emphasis on my last name should be on the second syllable, Kowal. Uh, it's Ukrainian, and the emphasis lands on the second syllable. But it sounds stupid when you say my entire name, Mary Robinette Kowal. Mary Robinette Kowal flows more in the English language. So when I say my, my full name, I put the emphasis on that first syllable. Now, I can do that because that's that's my name and I can I can make those changes. In prose, I would actually wind up swapping out for a different word to get the emphasis to land in a, in a place that was more uh, fluid. Hmm. How, does, how does reading and being a voice actor influence your writing? Very much so. Uh, the, the difference between prose that is uh, well-written 
versus prose that is very pedestrian or clunky in, in my ability to narrate it is huge. One of the things that I've become very aware of, and this is one of the ways you can control that, is is punctuation. But the other is, uh, you know, things things that suddenly make it very difficult. Uh, alliteration. Mm-hmm. If you have alliteration and, and it's unintentional alliteration, it makes it well nigh unto impossible. Um, sometimes having uh, having nested rhymes that you are not planning on having. Really distracting. Very distracting. Um, Sean and McGuire, uh, and, and I love her books, but she is so influenced by Shakespeare that she will sometimes end scenes with a rhyming couplet. And I've asked her, and she's like, sometimes that's intentional, and a lot of times it's not. And I have to bury them. Uh, because otherwise it sounds like I'm suddenly reciting poetry. So as a writer, if I catch that, if I catch, oh, I've got an unintentional rhyme here, I'm going to go back and I'm going to swap out a word. I've been really surprised. Um, so I, this year I started writing for Tremontaine, which is Ellen Kushner's shared world through Serial Box. And the copy editor on Tremontaine checks all that and catches it and flags it and has us Mm -hmm. look at it. And what has been surprising to me is I've been a published writer for 25 years. I've done books with HarperCollins, Random House, Penguin. This is the first copy editor I've ever dealt with that has done this, which perhaps speaks to a slipping of editorial standards across the board. Um, My editor's really good at this, which is great, Uh, Moshe. I I am weakest in this area. I shoot for what I call Orwellian prose. If you read essays by George Orwell, he talks about this idea of prose that is a window pane through which you can see the story. Mm -hmm. Uh, Prose that does not draw attention to itself. It doesn't mean I don't like beautiful prose. I love beautiful prose. But I have chosen a style for myself that is, I'm going to try not to distract you, except maybe like the first paragraph of of a scene I'll occasionally throw one in there. But I I want you to be able to see through the prose beautifully. Because of that, I do a, I, I, I'm just, this is my weakest point. I'll often have pet words that I'll use over and over again. Um, I will use sometimes the wrong word, like, and all of this stuff. And I have a good editor who catches the unintentional rhymes, the unintentional innuendos uh, that you don't intend. Oh, yeah. Um, he will often say things like, I'll be like, this person was so annoying. He's like, do you mean annoying or did you mean aggravating? Because the context sounds like aggravating. And I'm like, oh, that's, those are different words. Yes, they, do, they mean different things. Thank you, Moshe. Um, and one thing we often do with my writing is I get this hit list. If you have troubles with the hit list of words you overuse. I have a list of those. And if you just do a search and replace in Microsoft Word or whatever you use for that word and then change it to that word with brackets around it, when you're doing a revision, yeah. it will pop up in the prose. You'll be like, oh, and you can see, have I used this three times nice. on the, in this chapter? I have. Let's change them. Or you'd be like, do I really mean it here? Yes, I do. Let's take off the brackets and things like this. And you can just search for brackets in your piece and see if you missed any of them. Uh, works really well for me. So I'm, I'm like Brandon. I like, my, I like my prose to be invisible. You know, mm-hmm. I, I, w- I want the reader to just be in the story. And, you know, again, it's kind of like my weakness as well. And one of the things that I've been doing more recently is, like, I have phrases that, like, early on, I, I think I had one book where, like, I had somebody eating a punch, like, like five times. The, the eating a punch was, like, written, like, five times in the book. And at one point, you got to watch for things like that. So um, definitely, you know, do, do your searches. You know, like, I have certain rules, like, certain words, like, suddenly— I can only put in like a couple times, like, like three times in a book. Anything any more than that, then you can start you know, 
getting some of them out. I was a little embarrassed how often the proofreader caught somebody raising an eyebrow in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah. I I liked after all for some reason. I don't know why. But uh, one thing I've been doing more recently is I, you know, I do the text-to-speech where suddenly— I just said suddenly. So, like, <laughs> I, I now, I, I listen to entire, like, pages at a time. And I close my eyes, and I just kind of listen to how the prose kind of flows. Mm-hmm. And you're going to catch a lot of things that you never thought about before in terms of, you know, repetition and how things come off. Like, are, are, is this sentence structure clunky? It, there's so many things you can catch just by the year. And I think women writers are actually particularly... I'm not saying all women writers, but but something that I've noticed in myself and others is we're prone to put in modifiers. So words like just or, you know, like things that, that kind of make the prose more hesitant um, still. Um, and it, it, it is perhaps very sexist, but they do call that feminine speech pattern in linguistics because of the socialization that we have in our society. So I think it's just something to watch for, right? I mean, again, like, if you have a character and you want to put it in that character's voice, that she is socialized that way and speaks that way, I think that can be very effective. But if you're doing it throughout the book, then that's probably a problem. I way overuse a little in a bit. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Me too. Mm-hmm. Can I Can I just jump back briefly to Invisible Prose? Yeah. Because I, I do want to flag that this is a fashion thing mm-hmm. because the— and here's a very good example of this. So Jane Austen in her day was writing invisible prose. It was the prose that she, you know, it was the way people sounded around her. In the glamouring, the glamorous history books, I would put in phrases from Jane Austen, like entire sentences. I would occasionally just drop one in. And every single time, my editor and then my copy editor would flag it as being awkward which was, I have to say, tremendously satisfying to say, Stet, this is Jane Austen. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But the thing is that the reason that they flagged that is because in modern day, it is no longer invisible prose, even though I was trying to write in her style. That's fascinating. Yeah. Le Guin actually has some great examples. She has passages in Steering the Craft um, from Austen and and others. And I, I have my students go through, and my students have a lot of trouble because the sentence structures are so complex mm-hmm. compared to what they're used to writing. Like the, the main issue is that she'll have, you know, a clause connected to another clause. I mean, it's all logical and it all makes sense, but it takes up three quarters of a page and it's one sentence. Now, I will say that we're doing an entire podcast coming up later this month on how to write beautiful prose. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and so I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cap the discussion here. Um, and I'm going to let Mary give us some homework on diction. Right. So what we've been talking about is how to choose the right word and the area of intention and all of these things. So what I'm going to ask you to do is to take something that you have recently written and go through, and we're just going to look at dialogue on this one just to make it easy on you. I say easy. Hmm. Um, and as an exercise, what I want you to do is I want you to replace all of the dialogue and you're not allowed to use any of the existing words in those sentences. And this is Mm. to force you to think about what these sentences actually mean. I will grant you that you are allowed to use the articles and the prepositions, uh, but no verbs, no nouns. Um, The only ones that I'm going to allow you are like names or a a MacGuffin that is very specific to that world. Otherwise, I want you to replace every single word and get deep into why you are picking that word. Can I throw in one more quick exercise? Yes, go for it. My students love this one. It's so frustrating. You um, write a scene in sentences that are all seven words or less, 
and then you write the same scene in one long sentence. And it's it's really good for making you think about sentence structure, um, and it's super frustrating trying to write in seven word or less sentences, which is good for you. Okay, this has been Writing Excuses. You're out of excuses. Now go write. Writing Excuses is a Dragonsteel production, jointly hosted by Brandon Sanderson, Dan Wells, Mary Robinette Kowal, and Howard Taylor. This episode was mastered by Alex Jackson. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.